Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. We have got a lot to talk about on today's show. Believe it or not, the Islanders are homeless again. The Nassau Coliseum shut down indefinitely. We'll talk about what this means for the Islanders in the future, where they may play next season, and what it all, you know, is going to depend on because this Islanders team still without at least a temporary home at the moment. We'll keep you up to date on that. We have a new message from NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman describing the state of the league right now, where things are at as they continue to head back to play. We have our Islanders' birthday of the day, a key component of the team's lengthy and exciting and dramatic playoff run back in 1975. And we've got a whole lot more. So lots on our plate today. Uh, Certainly want to hear what's on your mind. Feel free to send us an email with a comment, a question, a topic you'd like us to discuss. The email address is LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. Leave us your name. Tell us where you're from. And we're happy to mention you on the air as we discuss whatever it is that you would like us to talk about. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Isles. And you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at Ice Wars NYRVSNYI. And we'll have all the latest news and notes, breaking news uh, about the New York Islanders. So, the big announcement, and I can't say it came as a total shock, but the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum uh, right now has been shut down as it is looking for some new investors to carry on, pick up some of the debt that remains on the building. And billionaire Mikhail Prokhorov, who is running the Coliseum under a lease from Nassau County, has indicated he wants to shut things down uh, before, uh, you know, right now, shut it down, until another investor can be found. And you know what? I I cannot say this is a shock. Uh, Certainly with the whole coronavirus pandemic, no events are taking place at the Coliseum. You're not going to have, you know, the Long Island Nets minor league basketball team. They're not playing. There are no concerts right now. There is no 
uh, you know, ice capades. You're not having major events with large numbers of people gathering at this point in time on Long Island. And we don't know for the foreseeable future how long it's going to take until, you know, it opens up. And then how much time will it take? And will there be a second wave of the coronavirus that may shut things down again? There are a lot of unknowns. So, look, there's approximately, according to a report, $100 million in loans on the property. And it remains to be seen to seen what the team is going to, to do about this. Uh there's a 49-year lease to operate the Coliseum, and Nassau County receives a minimum of $4.4 million each year in rent. The problem is, of course, like I said, there's nothing happening right now uh, at the Coliseum. So, you know, where will the Islanders play? In 2020-2021, next season, once it gets underway, they were supposed to play their home games at the Coliseum. Now, unless this issue is figured out and worked out, you know, we don't know where the Islanders are going to play. And there are a number of possibilities. Uh, Probably, probably, you know, it's going to depend also on whether or not there are fans in the seats once the new NHL season gets underway. Look, playoffs are going to begin on or about August 1st if everybody sticks to the schedule that they currently are under. And that probably means the Stanley Cup gets awarded at the end of September, beginning of October, You then want to have your draft, your free agency. You got to give the players some time to recuperate. So we're looking at November or December for the start of the next NHL season. The season that the Islanders are supposed to play at the Coliseum. That one last final season at Uniondale before they hopefully move in to the new arena at Belmont in the fall of 2021. So, look, obviously the arena is taking a hit right now, and the county is going to take a hit, because, again, there are no events. Will, Will we have fans in the stands when the 2020, 2021 NHL season gets underway? If we're looking around Thanksgiving or or, or December uh, for the start of the new season, where will we be here in the New York metropolitan area, here on Long Island, with regard to holding those kind of events? We don't know, and it does make a difference as to where the Islanders could play. I, I have heard a suggestion, for example, that if the Islanders don't have fans in the stands, they may be able to play at their practice facility, which happens to be right across the street from the Nassau Coliseum. Uh, Depending on whether they can get, you know, cameras in there to operate, the facility would certainly be able to hold the few hundred people it would need to hold in order to, you know, have the off-ice officials put the cameras up there, 
take care of all of those little details that need to be taken care of. If there are no fans in the stands, that's an option. But if we are dealing with fans, whether it be full capacity, 50% capacity, 25% capacity, whatever may or may not be safe, there are other things that the Islanders are going to have to look at. And we're going to talk about that because, you know, there are choices. None of them are particularly very, very good. But if you do want good choices for your car, you have to check out rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing their prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. rockauto.com is for everybody. It does not require a membership or an account logon, and they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet for your car. Whether it's your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door, and that is a big deal during this difficult time. Right now, the catalog is unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate. You could do it from your home or anywhere you have an internet connection. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com So where do the Islanders go from here? Uh... Again, assuming that there are fans allowed in the stands, and we we don't know that yet, we are a long ways away from knowing what's going to be possible once the next NHL season gets underway in November or December. The Islanders could go back to Brooklyn. I don't know if they're really welcome there. Uh, They may do it under protest, but obviously the inconvenience of getting there is a small problem. The ice quality or lack thereof is a bigger problem. And the Islanders were never able to address that at the Barclays Center during their four-year roughly uh, stay there. And they would be best advised, quite honestly, to use Brooklyn as a last resort. And, and you know, the relationship between the team and the people running the arena has not always been the best, to say the least. They could play games in Newark or Madison Square Garden. And again, if you're going there as a temporary one-year home, you're looking at maybe, uh, especially at the Garden, which has so many different events that the Islanders will probably get some strange start times for their home games, you may not get the best nights, you may not even have, you may have to do some afternoon hockey games uh, in order to squeeze into the schedule. I remember mentioning uh, on a show the New York Raiders of the WHA, who really were instrumental in getting the Islanders into existence back in 1972, and they were forced to Madison Square Garden, and they ended up playing games at 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday, for example. Uh, 
because they had last priority at the Garden. And if we're talking about the Islanders trying to squeeze in to Madison Square Garden, certainly the Rangers and the Knicks and, you know, any other uh, major concerts and what have you would have priority over the Islanders as far as dates, times, and everything else is concerned. So that may not be a good situation. Newark, difficult to get to for the fans, probably a little bit less of an issue as far as actually getting some good start times and dates available, less less overall activities in Newark than there are at Madison Square Garden. But, you know, again, we're looking at a temporary situation where the Islanders are looking for a one-year home. And from a facility standpoint, if there are no fans in the stands, the facility is going to take a loss and the Islanders' ownership is going to have to pony up whatever rent and expenses are, you know, that are associated with holding these games if they are indeed in front of empty empty uh, or in an empty arena. Meanwhile, uh, if it's a full arena, you have to figure out whether or not fans can get there, how many fans would make the trip, for example, to Newark. As far as convenience goes, it's probably more convenient for more Islander fans to go to Madison Square Garden than it is to either Newark or Brooklyn. It's just a question of what dates they may be able to play at. But realistically, and here's the thing, this is just a sad mess. And, you know, the whole situation with the Nassau Coliseum has been mishandled by so many different people over so many years. I mean, originally you had the Lighthouse proposal, which Charles Wong wanted, and unfortunately, you know, for political considerations and uh, because of the mess that is and the dysfunction that is Nassau County politics and New York State politics, uh, it never really got off the ground. No compromises were able to be reached. And you have a situation where that lighthouse project never got built. The Islanders end up leaving to head to Brooklyn because they really didn't have anywhere else to go. And then they decide, yeah, we're going to renovate the Nassau Coliseum, except instead of renovating it as an NHL quality arena, they, you know, rebuilt it with less seats. It's too big for to really house an AHL team and too small and without the number of luxury boxes needed for an NHL team. You now have a Nassau Coliseum sitting there in Uniondale without an anchor tenant. And they never did get an AHL team to come in and be the anchor tenant. The Long Island Nets, no disrespect to them, but what do they draw to a good game? 3,000 fans? They really are not able to be an anchor tenant. Um, You still have concerts that can be scheduled there. But sadly, the Nassau Coliseum, which for most Long Islanders was where they saw some great concerts, hockey games way back in the day, the New York Nets ABA basketball team, uh, the circus back when Ringling Brothers used to have a circus, all of those events used to take place at the Nassau Coliseum. Now, the Nassau Coliseum 
is just another venue competing with so many other places for your concert dollar. And you now have uh, an arena without an anchor tenant. I I don't know how the Coliseum is going to survive long term. How many concerts and conventions can they squeeze in there to try to take up 365 days worth of, uh, of, of calendar? So that has been mishandled from day one. And, you know, the Islanders should never really have had to leave there. Once they decided to renovate it, they didn't do it the way they really could have and should have done it. And now, without an anchor tenant and without any events taking place there, the Coliseum is temporarily shut down. So we'll see what happens. We'll keep an eye on it. But for the sake of Long Island and Long Islanders, I'm hoping that something can and will be worked out, whether it's a new investor or the county taking it over or whatever the case is that the Nassau Coliseum can get back on track, reopen, and maybe the Islanders still can play their home games there next season. It's a long time between now and November or December. We'll keep an eye on the situation, and as always, we'll have the latest for you here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. And if you want to indulge in a delicious treat while staying healthy and and building up muscle, Try a Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar. It comes in 16 amazing flavors. Eight of them have nuts. Eight of them are nut free. All of them covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. And Built Bar can help you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. All the bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. Take one of my favorite flavors, the peanut butter brownie, 20 grams of protein. 170 calories, just 3 grams of sugar, and 3 grams of net carbs. And right now, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get $10 off your first order. That's the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. All right, so there was uh, an interview on ESPN with all the commissioners, and... Gary Bettman, commissioner of the NHL, was one of them, obviously, who was there. And he announced that right now, uh, a couple of things. First of all, the majority, more than half of the players, are still not back at their team facilities, even though they opened up Stage 2 for informal workouts at team facilities, even though they opened up more than a week ago. So we'll see you know, what happens. But the the other thing is that the league has announced that, you know, no fewer than 54 companies have suggested a lot of technologies to make the games a little bit more exciting or interesting when they're played in front of no fans in empty arenas. So basically what Bettman promised to the fans, and I just thought this was worth mentioning at least briefly, We will create an environment that will be exciting, will be entertaining, will be consistent with a competition that has integrity. It won't be too gimmicky, but it'll set the right tone and make it a good television product, which is what we're ultimately going to be for the conclusion of this year's competition. So overall, that's what the NHL is shooting for. They are hoping to be able to resume things and... And it will create a situation 
where at least fans can, you know, they'll probably be able to hear the players talking better on the ice. There'll probably be some different technologies added to enhance the enjoyment of the fans, make it seem more exciting, whether they'll pipe in some crowd noise or what else they'll do, I don't know. But, hey, something to look forward to, something to think about as the NHL gets closer to hopefully resuming play. All right, time for our Islanders' birthday of the day. June 18, 1951 is the birthday of defenseman Dave Fortier. He turns 69 years old today. The Sudbury, Ontario native was a pretty big part of the Islanders' 1974-1975 playoff run. He spent two seasons on the island, 74-75 and 75-76, after spending uh, one year or part of one year with the Toronto Maple Leafs back in 1972-73, had six goals and 14 assists in his Islanders career over 124 games, 20 uh, plus 23 uh, plus minus rating and 147 penalty minutes, was a part of that big Stanley Cup playoff run in 1974-75, a physical defenseman, uh, not the biggest guy in the world. I mean, good size for the mid-70s, 5'11", 190, uh, but certainly did know how to accumulate those penalty minutes. In in the minor leagues, for example, he played a year with the Tulsa Oilers of the Central Hockey League, 217 penalty minutes in 71 games then went to uh, the Oklahoma City Blazers and 200 more penalty minutes. With the Islanders, 79 penalty minutes in his first season, 68 in his second. Played in 14 playoff games for the Islanders during that glorious run to the semifinals in 1974-75. We're going to take a look back at uh, a, a pretty exciting game for Dave Fortier. His first goal as an Islander coming up in this one at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum as the Islanders took on the Kansas City Scouts, who, if you don't know, later became the Colorado Rockies and then, in 1982, became the New Jersey Devils. Peter McDuffie was the goalie for the Scouts in this one. Glenn Chico Resch was the Islanders' netminder. The date of the game, October 12th, 1974, and the Scouts actually got on the board first. Now, this, for the Scouts, was only their second ever NHL game. They were an expansion team that year. So, Butch Deadmarsh getting the Scouts on the board first with his first goal of the season. It came with Dennis Potvan in the penalty box for tripping, Chris Evans and former original Islander Dave Hudson with the assist at 8.06. Scouts won. Islanders nothing, but the Islanders do answer. And they do it shorthanded. There was a fight between Butch Deadmarsh of the Scouts and Bobby Nystrom of the Islanders, but Nystrom picked up an extra two minutes for roughing. But the Islanders were the ones who cashed in Jean Potvan. Ending up with a shorthanded goal, his first of the season, Burt Marshall with the assist at 13:24, and the game was even at one. 
A little bit more, well, a minute 17 later, Gary Howitt gets his first of the season. Jerry Hart and Bob Bourne, the assists, an even strength goal at 14.41. And then with 24 seconds left in the first period, Dennis Potvan gets his first. Hart and Ralph Stewart on the helpers at 19.36. And after 20 minutes, the Islanders led the scouts by a score of 3-1. to one. Dave Lewis tacked on his first goal of the season early in the second period. Burt Marshall and Andre St. Laurent with the helpers at 102, and it's 4-1 Islanders after 40 minutes. In the third, Dave Fortier, his first as an Islander, his first of the season. Bob Bourne and Bobby Nystrom with the assists at 316. And then in the third period, with Doug Horrible off uh, for a penalty, he was called for hooking. Ralph Stewart gets his third goal of the young season. Dennis Potvan, the only assist at 519. Islanders led 6-1. Late in the game, Randy Rhoda got his first goal of the season for the Scouts. Wilf Paymont, their big first-round draft pick, getting the only assist. Islanders end up winning this game by a score of 6-2. We talked about this being the first goal for Dave Fortier. As an Islander, a lot of multiple-point getters in this game. Jerry Hart, two assists. Dennis Potvan, a goal and an assist. Burt Marshall, two assists. Bob Bourne, two assists. And then a goal and an assist for Ralph Stewart. As far as the plus-minus was concerned, Hart, Dennis Potvan, Burt Marshall, Gary Howitt, Bob Bourne, all, uh, all plus-two for the Islanders, and as far as shots on goal were concerned, the captain, number 18, Eddie Westfall, leading the Islanders with four shots on goal in this one. The scouts actually outshot the Islanders 36-29, to but for Chico Resch, 34 saves, including 15 in the third period alone as the Islanders earned the victory. So happy 69th birthday to Dave Fortier, as we remember his first goal as an Islander back on October 12th, 1974. That's going to do it for us right here on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL for a league-wide perspective on all things hockey. Have a great day. Stay safe, everybody. Remember, we're one day closer to the resumption of hockey. And, of course, let's go Islanders.